Amen. God is good. <laughs> I appreciate uh, your pastor and the leadership of this church, especially for opening the door for me to come and, and just be with you and minister in this church. Um, it's uh, sometimes it's very you, you wonder about some of these things you know anyway I don't think I want to get into that but I appreciate it <laughs> and all the other brothers we have been to Zimbabwe you know and we have uh, <coughs> tried and uh, to help us with the work that is going on there especially with building churches and so forth it's just that, you know, there are some things which are going on in our country at the moment, but we know things are going to come down for a landing soon. But we thank God for, for this ministry and the way God has just supernaturally linked us. I know there's a lot of stuff coming, you know, which God is going to uh, use us to do together. Uh, I was looking forward to having Pastor Byron and Noah this year in, uh, in South Africa. We're going to have another Destiny conference. <clears throat> but we had to postpone that. We'll still have it, but we had to postpone it because of several things that were just going on. But it's a, it's a wonderful thing, you know. There's this church which is just in the middle of Norway in South Africa. Big church, 3,000-seater. You go there, you know, there's nothing there. You just see cattle, donkeys, and so forth, you know. But there's just this church. And this pastor went and built this church. And you have doctors, business people driving out to this church every Sunday. Out of Johannesburg, which is really like the biggest city in South Africa, to go to this place which is right in the middle of Norway. And uh, this is where we are going to have our destiny conference because it's so significant for me. You know, like uh, There must be something in that building that these people found. <laughs> you know, If they are going to drive and leave all these big air-conditioned churches out there into the rural areas. There must be something in there, you know. So you always find your destiny in weird and queer places sometimes. But that's where we are going to have our destiny conference next year. It's not like it's not air-conditioned. It's air-conditioned, but the strange thing is just that what made this guy go and build this church in the middle of, of nowhere, you know? And you ask him, he says, well, God told me to go and build there, you know. So God will tell us to do things sometimes, and if we try to rationalize, we can always walk out of it, because it doesn't make sense. And when we are dealing with God, we just have to be careful about things like that, because God is going to tell us. I always told people, you know, I've, I've, I've seen some visions in my life, visions of the Lord Jesus and so forth, and there's one thing that I discovered. Anytime, you, anytime something supernatural happens to you, the devil can walk up to you soon after it has happened and give you 20 reasons that it didn't happen. And that's why it's always important to write down what happens. I've, there's a time when I actually spoke to... The Lord spoke to me. I spoke back to him. And after this was over, the devil told me that it never happened. And how do you prove it happened? Because it's not something which you can, you know... So we have to be very careful many times when we use our heads, sometimes we miss the Lord. And sometimes we need to, to know the Lord, you know, 
with our spirits. We need to descend the things of the Lord with our spirits. Amen. And when the Lord comes to you and tells you to do something like that and tells you, you know, to go and build a church out there in the middle of nowhere, there are some good spiritual people who can tell you some reasons why you shouldn't. You know, some people you really have confidence in, you have faith in, and they'll tell you, and you, you, know, you know, so we, we need to have a way of recognizing what the Lord is saying to us. But God is doing some good things in, in Zimbabwe. You know, the, the church is growing in a phenomenal way. Uh, and the Lord, you know, there's something that I always used to pray about. When we started this ministry, I always used to do the evangelism myself. Then, uh, you know, as the church grew, you know, and we trained more and more people. But one, we, had, we have lots of pastors now. I think we have over 150 pastors, pastors all, all over the place. But one thing I always asked the Lord was, Lord, I want evangelists in this ministry who are real evangelists. I mean, like real miracles happening. Because sometimes, you know, I, 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 I always tell these guys, you know, I don't believe in this thing where if, in the Bible, if somebody got healed, you didn't tell them that they were healed there was always a reaction which showed the people around that the person had received their healing. But today, you know, sometimes you get an evangelist telling people that they have been healed. You don't tell a person that they are healed. They tell you that they are healed. And in the Bible, you always find that if, a cripple, if somebody was healed, they started jumping up and down, disrupting the meeting, and they had to be called to order, you know. But now it's the other way around. The evangelist is telling the person that they are healed. And then you get people, you know, blind people prayed for, and then somebody's busy waving their fingers. I mean, if a person can see, they can see. If a person can hear, they can hear. Amen. So I always used to pray about this. I said, Lord, I want genuine evangelists, just like in the New Testament. Genuine miracles happening. And the Lord did a powerful thing. We, we first had one guy, and he's a powerful preacher, but I didn't see... Many miracles in his, in his ministry, but we, we saw miracles, but I didn't see many miracles. Then the Lord raised another young man who is not a powerful preacher, but there are many miracles in his ministry. So what they do is they work together. The other one preaches and the other one, you know, performs miracles in the name of the Lord. And it's, it's a really powerful team. We, we had a crusade in a certain town and uh, ambulances, ambulances were stopped delivering people to the hospital. This happened. We've got video shots of this. An ambulance would be called and the driver would actually say to the people, to the patient, I, I have a place I think I would rather take you to than the hospital. <laughs> you know? And turn the ambulance and take, it, take the patient to the... And we have several people who were brought to that crusade. Sometimes the ambulance would just drive into the grounds where the crusade was being held and the person would just be healed before any of the evangelists prayed for them. And then, and then we had people... I don't know, did you watch that video when you came? You, you didn't watch it, okay. And then we had, uh, we had people pulling their relatives out of the hospital. I mean, they would be brought in with all those tubes in their noses, you name it, and they would carry them to the crusade, and they would be healed. It was powerful. Some were actually stealing them out of the hospital, you know. But it was powerful. Nobody who was stolen out of, of the hospital died. They all got healed. So it was okay in the end. Amen. But it, was, uh, it, was, it, it is powerful. They are going all over the country, you know, just preaching the gospel. Powerful miracles happening, people being healed and so forth, just like it was in the book of Acts. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing. Amen. So God is good and uh, these are the things that are happening. 
But it, I, I just want to share with you very quickly from the Word of God. <clears throat> I believe this, uh, this church is very much in the center of God's heart. <clears throat> I feel this every time I come here. Uh, when I talk to your pastor, and, you know, I just see a man who loves God and who is ready to do anything that God tells him. And some of the brethren in here that I talk to, it's, it's the same. I really believe that God has got great things for this, uh, for, for this ministry. And I think it's important, you know, when God puts you in a ministry like that to, 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 to just become part of what is going on. <clears throat> to be part of what is going on. We have a... Uh, uh, what, what do you call Nemo in English? Roundness. You know, we have something called roundness in Zimbabwe. And, you know, when, when you cook this thing, you better make sure that when you put it on the fire, you put it in a pot, put some water in there, but make sure there's a good fire underneath, you know, because if the fire is not good, once you cook it to a certain level, it's neither ready to be eaten nor is it in its original state. So it's good for nothing. You can't plant it. You can't eat it. And if you try to cook it again, you can never get it to a ready stage. So it's just a dilemma. You don't know. You, you can't do anything with it. So I, I think it's dangerous when a, a Christian gets to that point. You know, sometimes you need, we need to be in a place where God does everything that he wants to do and finishes. Because then after that there's a problem. And I'm sure you've seen situations where you have somebody, you, you don't know what to do with them. There's a numbness in their spirits and they, you, you can't get them to another level. You can't take them down because they know so much, but you can't take them up because this is that they saw is it's terrible. And all that is caused by escaping, you know, a, a sacrifice which is always crawling off the altar. <laughs> Somebody says that's the only problem with living sacrifices because they always crawl off the altar. <laughs> <laughs> But we need to sit some things out, you know. And uh, I believe God puts us in certain ministries for, for, for a purpose. God puts us under certain men for, for a purpose. And I see this in my ministry. I, I have people in my church. When they came, it's just like the case of David, you know, escaping to the cave of Adullam. And the Bible says, all those who were distressed, all those who were discontented, all those who were in debt, went out to him. That's a terrible army. You know, you're in trouble already, you're on the run. And then all these distressed people, discontented, in debt, come and attach themselves to you. But you know, when God starts a work with a man, God will always put an anointing in that man, to trans not only in that man, but in that ministry, in that situation, to transform lives. So, there is a work going on here. And there is a man of God here. There are men of God to whom God is raising around him. Pillars so that they stand with the man of God, including his wife, stand with the man of God in that work. And then people come in and they become part of that work. But you know, your coming in is not just a coming in. One thing you can be assured of is that there is a presence in this place which can transform your life. That's why when you read the story of David, when he was dying, and you read about all those mighty men of valor, where did they come from? Where did Shammah come from? 
the man who fought for his field of lentils until, you know, did his sword stick to his hand or something like that? Might, the Bible actually calls them mighty men. David's, here are David's mighty men of valor. It's the same guys in debt, distressed, discontented. But when they stayed there, God did a perfect work in their lives. And they became mighty men and women. And they did ex- exploits. They established the kingdom of David. Amen. So, sometimes you, we need to know why God puts us in certain places. We need to know how to draw, you know, from those situations. So that we can become what God has called us to be. There is no doubt that there is something going on in this church. And it's going to impact the USA. It's going to impact this town. It's going to impact the USA. It's going to impact the international community. There's no doubt about that. Every time I walk in here, I feel the same thing. You know, the first time I came in, the Lord told me that this man is an electric engineer, isn't it? And the Lord says, you know, I put him in that profession because I, I want him to know how to handle power. You know, when, when you learn how to handle power, you're not only learning how to... You, you want to know the positive side of power and the negative side of power. You want to know how to handle power. David knew how to handle power. And I know that God is doing a great work in this man, which is going to be a blessing to many. Just turn to somebody and say, I'm in the right place. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm in the right place. We're in the right place. <laughs> and you can take that from me. You know, there was a time when I got a bit worried because I would walk into a church and within seconds I could tell the condition of that church. It's still happening. So I went into this big church in Calgary in Alberta, over 2,000. It was the church. People would fly to this church from all over Canada. It was the pest center. And I walked into this church. Well, anyway, I stayed in that place for a while. Then one day, one of the members who was an elder asked me and said, what do you think of this church? You know, that's one problem with the prophetic. He said, what do you think of this church? And I said, before long, this church won't, be in a, it won't exist. So he looked at me and he said, well, well, I said, well, that's what the Lord has said. Now, that's the church that Phil Nodin took over. I mean, it took three days for that thing to dismantle into nothing. People's lives were totally demolished. It was terrible. I've never seen anything like that. But you see, if something is built on the wrong foundation, that's what it takes. If it's built on the wrong foundation, it doesn't take much to destroy it. It has to be built on the right foundation. Let's just read one scripture here before. I think it's in the book of uh, Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, I think. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. This is where we are today. Some of the things that I'm sharing. This is where we are as a church. Therefore, 
uh, Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on, a rock, on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and, the, and, and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. I was traveling the other time and uh, I, I got to Toronto and I was going to spend the night there and I was very tired. I checked into this hotel. <clears throat> I, I think I was on the sixth floor or something. Just as soon as I finished unpacking and I was getting ready to go to bed, the fire alarm went on. So I picked up all my stuff and took off, ran out of the building and there were others running out, you know, following the instructions and stood outside. Then after a while they said, oh, it's okay, there's no fire, you can go back in, you know. <laughs> so we, we went back in and I was like really tired. It was an hour later because this fire people came in, ran around in the building, checked if there was anything going on there. They told us to go back. I went into this room and I think by then it was around 12 midnight. Then I went into bed. I went just as I was falling asleep, the alarm rang again. <laughs> so there I was running out of the building again. And the next thing we were outside for another hour. The fire people came and then they ran around and said, okay, it's, it's okay, there's nothing there. It was a false alarm. I think this thing was just a fire drill. <clears throat> no, it was just a fire drill. They just wanted to check how people respond. They are stuffed too in the hotel and so forth. <clears throat> But you know what the Lord said to me recently? He says, a lot of believers, the church, is going to go through a lot of fire drills. You know, God is not going to just start doing things before he checks on us to see how we respond to them. And the pastor was here and I, I heard him talking about Jesus is coming soon. And the Lord told me just a few weeks ago, he said, Jesus is coming soon. And I know the Lord is coming soon. But there are going to be some fire drills. There are things which are going to happen because the Lord wants to see how you respond or how, how you react to certain things. Amen. And I had my own fire drill recently, you know. Uh, <clears throat> I had a laptop, a Toshiba laptop. And in our, in our country, those things are expensive. But I had a problem with that laptop because every time... When I, it didn't have an internal CD writer, and I do a lot of work designing and stuff and music and all that, which I, I always want to transfer onto, onto a CD. I had a, an external CD writer, and that thing never worked with, the, with, my, with my laptop. Every time somebody set it up for me, the next thing it couldn't uh, identify the drivers and so forth. It was just a nightmare. And sometimes I would be far away from home, nobody to help me with the technical side. So I just decided to get rid of that laptop and buy another one <coughs> with a built-in CD-ROM. And in Zimbabwe at the moment, laptops are going for like $10 million. That's a lot of money. And mine, because it was, uh, this is not American dollars, but $10 million Zim dollars in Zimbabwe is a lot of money. It's maybe like $2 million U.S. dollars in, in the U.S. or something. It's just bad. But anyway, because I'd used mine... Uh, it, it was the value was around 6.57 million dollars. I put it in the papers, advertised it so that I could sell it and buy another one. There was a good response. People were calling me. Then I gave it to a young man in my church who is an elder, 
and told him to take it to Harare, which is the capital city, and because that's where most of the people who were interested in it were. He got there. I was in another city like 500 kilometers away. He got to Harare. I don't know exactly what happened, but apparently somebody came to him and said they were interested in the, in the laptop. Then they went to this office building where they were supposed to the whole, uh, you know, where he was supposed to be given his money and so forth. And then something happened there. And the next thing, this other fellow disappeared with the laptop. I mean, that's $7 million gone. And he called me. And he said, Pastor, you know, I could tell from the way. I had a funny feeling the whole, the whole night, you know, and the, 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 uh, like half the day. It was around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I just had this funny feeling that something terrible was going to happen. I was praying about it. I was... Then I got this call. He says, Pastor, something terrible has happened. Well, he says, the, the laptop is gone. I mean, and there was a lot of other things going on. I, I spoke to Pastor Byron a week before that. There was a lot of other stuff going on in his life. What's going on here, you know? And then the next thing, this guy calls me and tells me that my laptop is gone. But I, the first thing that I thought was, this boy will kill himself. And I just forgot about the laptop. And I said, look, don't worry about the laptop. We can always find another one. You know, don't worry about this. If the Lord wants us to have it back, we'll get it back. Don't worry about it, you know. And I'm, I'm ministering to him because I was really concerned about him. And when I put the phone, I told my wife, I said, the laptop is gone. And she laughed. I mean, you know, there are some things you don't even know how to respond to. It, you know. it's, it's like, I mean, how do things like this happen? And Harare is a big city. There is more than five million people in there. And when a thing like a laptop is stolen, you know that by the following day, it's across the border in another country and they've already stolen. There's no way it will be in that. There are people running around trying to buy these things all the time. So... That's it, the laptop is gone. But you know, after a little while, you know, when I sort of settled down, I just said, I called, I called this young man and I said, I have, I have a man who, who sort of mentored me. And I said, go to Reverend Sunday and tell him to, to pray about this laptop. Because this is serious business. It's not, you know, seven million dollars gone. I said, go to Reverend Sunday and just pray with him about this. So they did. They went to, to Reverend Sunday. And Reverend Sunday prayed and he said, Lord, we are looking for this laptop, but you know where it is. You can see it. But we are looking for it. We are running around, but you are God. You know where it is. So we thank you that we are going to have this laptop back. And this was on a Monday. By Friday, we hadn't got the laptop back. In the evening, I got into my office and I, I, I started praying. And then I was looking at some of the books that I've written using that laptop. And I said, Lord, there is no way... An unbeliever can be comfortable with my laptop. I mean, I've done great kingdom work with that thing. There's no way. And just as I was saying that sitting behind my desk, the Lord says to me, the day you will go to Harare, you're going to find your laptop. And this is on a Friday evening, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Tuesday, I drive to Harare, and I'm 40 kilometers out of Harare. The phone rings, and it's one of the guys. He says, Pastor, we found the laptop. Now, this is like seven days later. When I got to Harare, I asked them, how did this happen? You know, these guys were in a police station, just because they'd been going to the police station all week, just been told also, we, we want to find out this guy's telephone number, we want to trace all the people he spoke to, da, 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 but nothing ever materialized. So they're sitting in this police station, they've been there since 8 in the morning, it's now 12 midday, 
nothing has happened. So one of them says to the other, there were two of them, they say, let's, let's go to the office. We have offices, church offices in that town. Let's go to the church offices. You know, we can always come back after lunch. This is terrible. We've been sitting here like half the day. So they both agreed instantly. This is one of the things they thought was very strange because it was like nobody said, they didn't argue among themselves. It was just like, let's go to the office. Okay, let's go to the office. And they went to our church offices. When they got to the church offices, as they were standing at the elevator, because our offices are in the sixth floor, that man who had stolen my laptop just walked up to them. And the next thing, he was just there. So they grabbed him, and he was crying, no, don't beat me up, I've got your laptop here. And he gave them the laptop. But the strange thing is, he said to them, from the day that he stole the laptop, he just put it on a table in his house, and every time he tried to touch it, he got scared. So it was sitting there for seven days. Every time he tried to touch it, he got scared. And he had lots of stuff he had stolen. He would take that stuff, go and sell it. The moment he tried to touch the laptop, I mean, the man would get scared. And the first day he picked up that laptop was that day. He got into what we call emergency taxis. I think some of the guys who came to Zimbabwe have seen those. These are minivans which transport people around. He got into a minivan, and that minivan dropped him 20 meters from our office. And our office was the first place he came into with the laptop because he wanted to try and sell it in there. And our guys were just standing at the door and they caught him. Seven days later. Hallelujah. And I said, you know, God is going to take us on fire drills. You know, and God just said to me, you know, I want you to know that I'm absolutely in control. Amen. I want you to know that I'm absolutely in control. And you know, sometimes we forget these things. We forget the power of God. The way it works in our lives and through our lives. Because we get caught up in a lot of... So the Lord said, I wanted to show you that I'm very, very, very much in control. And nothing is going to happen that I don't have any control over. That I can't change. That I can't stop. And you know, we look... uh, The reason why I'm sharing this with you is that there's a lot of stuff that has been happening even here in the United States of America. With all the terrorism and stuff and everything that has happened. A lot of Christians get shaken when things like this begin to happen. And we forget the power of God. Now, remember how that pastor I spoke about prayed. He said, Lord, you can see where this... We are looking for it, but you can see it. You know where it is. And sometimes we act as if God is like us. He doesn't know what is going on. But God is not like us. God knows exactly what is happening in the United States of America. He knows what is happening in every corner in this country. He can see it. But for it to begin to work for us, we need to begin to understand that. That's why I said, you know, God is going to be taking some people on on a fire drill. There are some things which are going to begin to happen so that the church is shaken. So that we begin to, we don't just talk, we don't theorize about the power of God. It's very easy after your laptop disappears to just say, okay, well, it's gone and cry and call everybody. I said to this young man, I don't want you to call everybody and just anybody. Sometimes we call everybody and anybody. I want you to call somebody who can do something about it. What is your first response when something goes wrong? What is your first response? Do you really believe in the power of God? 
And you know, after this incident, the next thing that the Lord reminded me of was, I drove from home the other day in my hometown where, where I live. And I was going into town to our offices. I got to this circle and I saw a car in which had been involved in an accident. I drove past that car and I got to a rail crossing and I saw another car which had been hit by, by, by a train during the night. And I began to get alarmed. I'd ne- this had never happened before. Two accidents. I'm seeing them in the morning as I go to the office. When I turned into the downtown area, I saw a group of people. I stopped there and I saw a woman lying there and she had been stabbed to death. And now I'm almost freaking out. I get to the office. I get into my office and I sit there. And my secretary, this happened. My secretary walks in and she says, Pastor, did you hear what happened? I said, no, I didn't. She says, a man walked into that nightclub just behind our office block and shot five people last night. In fact, that morning, around four o'clock in the morning, he saw his girlfriend with another man and he just, he was a soldier. He just went and took his rifle and came and just started shooting in the nightclub. So, accidented the circle accidented the, cross, uh, the rail crossing, a woman stabbed to death, and finally five people shot in the nightclub. And all this happened within a span of 12 hours. And then I said, Lord, what's this? You know, it was not normal. Obviously, it was not normal. And the week before, because we always had all-night prayer meetings in our church, all night, six to six in the morning, all-night prayer meetings, I had stopped those all-night prayer meetings because I wanted us to do something else. Then the Lord said to me, this happened because you stopped the all-night prayer meetings. And he says, I want you to know the influence that you have in the things, I mean, in the behavior of the people in this city and the, the things that, I mean, just the, the power that you have to influence the events that happen in this city. And, you know, we were not the biggest church in the city. We are still growing. In fact, I don't, we were roughly about this size, and now we are a big church in that city, but we're still a growing church. I think they were like a hundred, we're smaller than him, maybe about 150 people in the church. And the Lord says, this is ha- what happens when you stop praying. But I, and I said, but Lord, there are other churches in here. He says, well, you know, you people, have, do you remember what happened when Gideon was going to war and he had over 30,000 people? And the Lord started a screening process until he had only 300 people in that army. And whenever things happen, you know, we want, to, we want to network and we talk about creating a big army which is going to bring change and so forth. We want to pray in large groups.